Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Ms. Becker, what are you doing in Fort Wayne? You're filing for full custody? I am here to inform you that I'm Elizabeth Becker's lawyer. I have to say, Ms. Pyle, I'm a little uncomfortable with this case. I mean, you're fighting for the custody of a child that hasn't even been born yet? Really? Yeah. Once we present our evidence, we are confident you will feel differently. That's a clip from The Baby Pact, a sequel to the movie The Wedding Pact. It was produced by Damian King, who, along with his wife, Mallory Mackey, are my guests on the show today. They had their first kiss on stage here in high school and moved to L.A. where they work on movies, TV series, and more, including her book on Hugh Hefner. Sifter Review of the Week. Blackbird on Apple TV. Dennis Lehane, writer of Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, and Shutter Island, created this new series. So that's already a solid promise for something enthralling, and this lives up to that. Taron Edgerton plays a successful drug dealer who's busted. His only hope for release from prison is to pry prime information from a suspected serial killer, played by Paul Walter Hauser. While Edgerton effectively embodies many aspects of his character, it's Hauser's creepy killer that makes the show. The look in his eyes after he says, but they're just dreams, promises early on that this will be a great new screen psychopath. While the script is comprised largely of dual conversations, the writing, direction, and performances combine to create a truly compelling and sometimes creepy exploration. The series is also notable because it's Ray Liotta's final performance. I gave it four and a half out of five stars. So, I'm thrilled to be joined by a couple today, Damien and Mallory King. Welcome to Sifter. Hi, how's it going? I see your dog is also welcoming me. Yeah, sorry, someone rang the doorbell at the exact moment we started. (laughs) Obviously, you are a couple, and I believe you grew up together and went to high school together. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, we did. We did? We actually went to middle school together, but we didn't start dating until high school. And what high school was that? Yeah, Atley High School. Right in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Atley High School. And you had your first kiss in a show, right? We did. We were doing the Beggar's Opera for a uh, competition up in Resden. Yep. And I was Polly Peachum and he was McKeith and we had to kiss on stage. And it was funny because we had this this love-hate relationship before that where I'm like, ew, you can't make me kiss him. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, you yep. were like 15 or 16, right? Yes, we were... <laughs> we were... She was 15, I was 16 by the time we started dating, but I think at the time we were both 15. Surprise guest drop in. So, we meet again. (gasps) What? It's Mr. Wex. Hello. (laughs) Your hair is so long again. Oh, yeah. It is very long. It is. Oh, Uh, yeah. So, Charles, obviously, you were their drama teacher in high school at Atlee, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking before you got on about their first kiss in Beggar's Opera. What do you remember about Damien and Mallory as a couple or separately? And come on, give us the embarrassing stuff, because Mallory's already kind of looking (laughs) ready to be embarrassed. Yes, uh, this is for the tell-all, right? I mean, I've been for the publishers, but uh, no. Um, I was in my third or fourth year, I think, at Atliet by that point. Whenever you're casting teenagers in a romantic situation, you're always kind of keeping an eye out just to make sure there's not a ton of drama happening, that sort of thing. But uh, it's it's one of those things where I wasn't watching very closely, but you 
eventually hear and see things as you go along. And I started to notice a little bit more closeness between them. I have never been opposed to, shall we say, stage romance turning into real romance as long as people keep their eyes open about what it is and the fact that stage romance can sometimes be something that's very uh, imposed on the person from the play. And right. then once it's over, it's very hard to keep that going. Luckily, this is one instance where it seems like it has held. Yeah, almost 19 years now. Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> what is something that you take with you today that uh, that Charles taught you or told you about? Actually, a great deal, because uh, the whole reason I got into filmmaking and theater in the first place is because of Mr. Wax. Because I was a lazy lout in his theater <laughs> class my freshman year, only took it because of a girl. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't really pay much attention or do anything. And then he came over to me one day and he uh, gave me the role of Air Zeller in The Sound of Music and right. said, you're doing this and then walked away. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so I ended up getting really into acting and, and really fell in love with creating and the way that, you know, we did everything and the way that he ran his classes and stuff. And it ended up being a lifetime of what we create now. At almost everything that I do move forward with that as well as, and I'm going to embarrass Mr. Wax for just a second. One of the things that he always did was he always said the theater is a family. And um, that's actually how now as a producer director, I run all of my crews. I consider them my family. I hire the same people all the time. And I like to work as a unit together. Yeah, I have to say too that Wax definitely cultivated an environment where a lot of people, at least from my time in Atlee Theater, went on to pursue theater as a career. Is there another show or another incident that you remember about them that's uh, particularly interesting or even embarrassing? It doesn't start off great because at VTA, it was the first year we went, there was a really tragic event that happened at VTA involving another school. Footnote. VTA is the Virginia Theater Association, which promotes theater programs in schools and beyond. So I kind of spent the rest of the night going, you know, way past curfew, just checking on the different rooms and, and seeing how people were doing emotionally and such. And so I walked in on Damien's group's room. And let's just say that I walked in on a certain moment where one of the characters was showing her upper attributes in a very suggestive way. So everything had been so serious that night. And I, I just walked in and I, I looked at the screen and I looked at all the guys and I looked back at the screen and I looked back at them and I was like, everyone deals with grief in their own way. And I walked out. <laughs> and, uh, we'll never so. forget it though, because we saw him walking in and it was one of those old DVD players that we, we had like malfashioned to work with this hotel TV. And we see him coming in and we're like, crap, pause it, pause it. We're trying to like pause it. And the video just refused to pause until <laughs> Wax got a full good look at it. And every one of us in the room- were I just, could feel the tension in there too. It was just like, <laughs> okay, we're not gonna worry too much about it. It, it paused at the worst possible moment. We were, all, we were all just waiting to get yelled at. He said that walked out and we we bust out laughing it was a good tension relief because we obviously needed a distraction from yeah what was going on it's a shame but, that the audience can't see y'all during this because y'all have been laughing and rolling your eyes and having so much fun well thank you so much for right. dropping in it was great to see you bye <laughs> mr wax thanks for coming back bye bye awesome. see you where were we? we were in high school, obviously, yeah. and then you went on to both went to VCU in theater. And I think there is an interesting story about the uh, Buenos Aires 
and the engagement. Who wants to tell that story? That's pretty cool. I'll tell it because Mallory has the ending wrong. So, <laughs> so we went to Argentina. And there was wife, a reason for that, right? Mallory yes. wasn't that yeah. your... I'm a huge Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. And I, I got into the story of Evita through Andrew Lloyd Webber. But I actually, like, if I pet on the figure, I uh, studied very um, intricately. So we uh-huh. went there. Because of Hence that. Buenos Aires. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting there looking at a jewelry shop and they had these engagement rings and things. And I was looking at the price thinking, wow, I could never afford anything like that. And I was like, wait a minute, it's the peso. So I haggled down to the dime that I had in my account and uh, bought this beautiful engagement ring. And because I don't trust in myself to keep a secret for long, I walked out of there while she was looking at another shop. So I just got down on one knee in the middle of the street while everyone was around me and I held out the ring and Mallory turned around and I'll never forget it. She said, what the hell are you doing? That was literally her comment. And then I just (laughs) stared at her dumbfounded until all of a sudden she got it, gasped, and then it became emotional and became the thing. And she said, yes, obviously. So what's your version of the ending, Mallory, that he claims you get wrong? No, I doing it at a restaurant so one of us has that wrong well his is a better story so let's go with his yeah that's what i keep saying so once you got out to la i know mallory you got involved in the world of modeling and playboy tell us what that's about because you actually wrote a book about that i did you know i had my degree in theater i started modeling a little bit with uh modelogic and wilhelmina in richmond before coming out to los angeles right and then a lot of the initial work i got was modeling work For Playboy, it was just interesting because I wound up becoming friends with someone that was dating a relative of Hugh Hefner that was like, oh, you should come up, you know, that like they invite people up all the time to just do movie nights. And I'm like, oh, okay. You were not posing semi-nude or anything. No, no. Cool. And you wrote a, a memoir, which is now available, right? Yes. It's called My Playboy Story, Hopping from Richmond to Hollywood. And it was an interesting time to be around Playboy because kind of right before Playboy fizzled out. One of the many links we will have on the webpage will be to the book so people can check it out if they'd like to. But fast forwarding to Baby Pact, it's actually the official title is The Wedding Pact to The Baby Pact. That's right. Yeah. Um, And I know that Matt Berman was the writer director on both of those. How did you connect with him? You were a producer on on both of them, correct? No, you were AD on the first one. Yeah, that's correct. I had a cameo as a thug in the first one and I was the uh, first AD. And what happened was during the the filming of The Wedding Pact 1, Matt Berman and I, we just hit it off. So then Berman said, you know, I got a friend. I think I can get The Wedding Pact 2 off the ground. You want to produce the second one? So then we said, yeah, we'll absolutely do The Wedding Pact 2. And we got it together with uh, an incredible returning cast. You know, you got Haley Duff, Kelly Perrine, and all these wonderful people that came back. Um, Scott Michael Campbell. But it was just a magical production that we really loved what came together from the movie. And uh, I think anyone that watches it would agree. It's just a great ride. One of you give us just a thumbnail, two-sentence description of what the movie's about, and then we'll talk more about it. So the movie is kind of an interesting twist, because usually when you follow up with a a feature, uh, you follow the same path. But in this, um, instead of being the romantic comedy that ends with a happy ending, like the first one was, the second one uh, begins on a downer. Her husband had passed away, and she finds herself in financial stress, so she moves back home with her sister. and Fort Wayne, Indiana. To Fort Wayne, Indiana, and she's pregnant. She finds out that her ex-husband's mother comes to town and basically challenges her custody of her unborn child. Well, now, was it based on any kind of fact? Because, of course, the premise sounds a little like 
Really? Come on. How can you sue for custody of an unborn child? You know, there's two things that come to mind when you ask that question. One, there was an episode of Roseanne that was actually similar to that, where Fred sued Jackie for custody of her unborn child because she didn't want to give him rights. That was one. And then two, we actually knew someone that we went to school with that her her son wasn't unborn. It was like a two-year-old son and the father had passed away and the mother was suing to have custody of the child. So wow. it does happen. Yes, it's one of those legal precedents. You're like, I don't really think that that could happen. But the way that the story handles what happens and the way the characters move forward in it, it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's a very challenging, very interesting I think it's pro- more about their growth and the roller coaster they go on than any of the reality of it. Right, well. right. And I did ask you this before I watched it. You don't really have to see the wedding pact to be able to appreciate because that, that's the story of her when she was in love with the man who's now dead. So you don't yes. really need to see that to know that. So that's no, good. And there's a bunch of characters and there's a bunch of, re- of callbacks that, that happened in the movie, but uh, Matt Berman did an excellent job just making sure that his movie could tell its own story without needing the right, other. Right. Anything that you need to know from the other one is mentioned within this movie. So you right. do not need to see the original. Well, I have to ask you one thing that was kind of an interesting little moment, and I'm not sure what the point of it was or what the inspiration of it was. The judge with his dog puppet. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the movie is kind of realistic up until that point, And then you have a judge walk in who has a dog puppet. What was the inspiration? Was that that actor that already had that shtick? Or did you, he write that and then have to cast an actor to do it? Or It was a very controversial puppet, honestly. Yeah, honestly, this has been a talked about thing. And really what it comes down to is that my director had a vision where he thought this judge could have this puppet. And really, to be completely honest, it's a commentary on the fact that this is kind of a clown case. It's like a silly situation that they find themselves in. So it's kind of a commentary on how ridiculous the situation is. However, because it's taken so seriously, um, you kind of move in and out past it. But the truth is about the puppet is that the director just really felt that it enhanced the story of how these small towns can be, how these types of situations get blown way above their proportion instead of just being treated with an open communication. And it's also a nice little nod because the puppet's name is Murphy. It's a Basset Hound puppet. And Matt Berman, uh, his dog who passed away a couple of years ago was named Murphy and he was a Basset Hound. So it's a nice little like memorial to his dog in a way too. Uh And I noticed in those courtroom scenes, Mallory, you're sitting there, you're the court reporter, which was kind of a sweet gig for you because you didn't have to learn a lot of lines, but you got to be on set for four days. So that's a, a smart way to make some money off your husband, isn't it? It was, I mean, in a way it's great. And in a way it's so tedious. Someone that's not really an actor will have a hard time doing a job like that because you actually have to pay attention to the continuity in each scene. No, okay, I'm doing this now. This is the action I'm doing now. Footnote. Continuity is making sure that critical elements of related scenes in movies and TV shows are consistent from scene to scene. So it's a lot of focus on making sure your actions are consistent and looking like you're realistically doing what you should be doing back there. But you're you're doing it all day, every day for four days, nonstop. And the funniest part was they kept forgetting it. I I was also helping to co-produce. So sometimes I would be running around solving problems and they would start to shoot and it would take a couple of takes before they realized that I wasn't there. And they're like, we did Mallory. So So then they had to do Mallory check. And one of the funny things is too, is that uh, she was supposed to just be court reporter and Kevin Farley just kept calling her Mallory. Footnote. Kevin P. Farley is the actor who played the judge with the puppet. 
So we just named <laughs> reporter Mallory for the world's sake, just because he just kept saying Mallory. He's like, Mallory Murphy said good morning and stuff yeah, like that. You know, Kevin, and it, he added lines for me. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Great, great. Good for you. And you didn't, did, you didn't have to audition, I'm assuming. <laughs> no. It, you got the job. There you go. You know what, though? I have to say there are projects that he produces that we don't tell anybody that we're together. And I audition and I do my due diligence. And I've been cast on his projects by people having no idea that we're... Wow. Yeah. The nice thing about her last name being Mackie, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you the audition. You're going to say Mallory Mackie and do not tell anyone you're married to me. Sure. And she'll go and audition. And there's been at least two times that I can think of where the guy I'm sitting next to or, or a girl, depending on who I'm producing, directing with, and they'll turn to me and be like, wow, she was amazing. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we have to hire her. I was like, yeah, are you absolutely certain she's the one you want? And they're like, yeah, we got to get her information. I was like, oh, no need. That's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just start laughing and they're like, what? That's your wife? I was like, she's amazing. I'm like, why didn't you say something? And I'm like, well, I would rather you believe that yeah, first. That's great. And now yeah. you won't doubt it. I noticed at the end of the movie, it said the end of part two, as if, there might be a part three. Was that kind of the intent there? Well, I, I can't say much about it, but let's just say that part three is more than just a strong possibility. And, oh, just, and I'll, I'll segue that into this movie has had a lot of media attention. You'll see a billion interviews with right. Quentin and Haley and all the cast and different people. And the movie was all about Fort Wayne, Indiana. The city itself actually uh, gave us a holiday, the Wedding Pack <laughs> 2 Day. Wow. We were very integral to the town when we were filming and doing all these things. That also gave us a lot of attention. And, and so uh, very proudly, this movie has gotten out there everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's a movie that you can find on almost every streaming platform and every, every place you could imagine. Yeah. And for an independent film like this on this level, uh, the, the type of media attention we've gotten is just outstanding. And that has led to some open doors that may lead to a very bright future. Of course, I watch the movie and then I'm watching, I always watch the credits. By the way, there is a post-credit sequence, a little yeah. surprise in there. But it's interesting because at the end, it thanks all the business. I'm like, wait a minute, that really was that. that that's really what it was called. It was yep. called whatever the flowers, community that, flowers or flowers. Or coffee and cottage flowers. and yeah, yeah, all that was real. So I was like, well, they didn't even change the names. That's a lot cheaper that way too. That's the thing too. And then our, our executive producer, Mike Guloff, he's the guy that he's, he's very much a driving force behind why this movie was able to happen. He said, I have lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana my whole life. It's a beautiful town. And I think it's got something to offer the world. The town was amazing. Uh, all those courtroom scenes are shot in the real Fort Wayne, Indiana courthouse, so the Allen beautiful. County courthouse. It is beyond beautiful. All that different type of marble. We, we could not have made this movie without the town of Fort Wayne, yes. Indiana. Wow. And it was so funny because, you know, we had Haley Duff, we had Quinn Aaron, but the real celebrity of Fort Wayne, Indiana is Scott Michael Campbell. Footnote. Scott Michael Campbell is best known as Brad on Shameless, who was Lips Alcoholics Anonymous buddy and motorcycle boss friend. We would be, you know, out just hanging out after a hard day's filming and just people would come up to him almost in tears, like so excited to see him. He became um, best friends with everyone in that town. Yeah, wow. like literally everyone in the town. And just kind of like most of the cast and crew became friends with the bartenders of the town. So. <laughs> Marcy, tell us about Weird World Adventures. What's that? Part of what I do now is write and explore the world for travel magazines. I've done some really incredible interviews and realized that I love places that were non-mainstream and weird. And I say weird in a loving way. There's a lot of outrageous places you wouldn't believe, but everyone always talks about traveling to the same beaches and the same this. So 
Weird World Adventures is an episodic that takes people around the world experiencing these strange and unusual places, and it can be it's a, anything it's a, strange. It's an actual television show, like yes. it's a 22-minute television show. And is it yes. airing anywhere now? The first episode did air on uh, Viddy Space, which was a uh, streaming platform that dealt with a lot of things uh, in the supernatural realm. However, now, since we have packaged six full episodes of the show and are currently seeking uh, where it's going to end up landing. I know you mentioned way early in the interview, Mallory, that you're a big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan, and I believe you had a connection with him. So first, during, you know, quarantine, theaters were having trouble, and we couldn't go out to the theater, so Andrew Lloyd Webber actually headed this front to keep musicals alive. He did this thing called Musicals in Isolation, where he challenged people to bring his musicals to life and do musical numbers in their living room. And then he would pick his favorites to showcase. And so I actually created a video with my black cat named Strahd and we did a video of McCavity. Andrew Lloyd Webber actually picked my video and featured it as one of the finalists for it, which was really exciting. Yeah. The best and he liked her enough to eventually send her some Inside for Phantom of the Opera. Oh, so, wow. Cool, cool. So she was she was in awe of that. But same cat, different story. So Strahd, our cat, when we originally adopted- And that name, there's a reason for that name. Yes, because I'm a big nerd and Strahd is a villain. It's a vampire in Dungeons and Dragons. And so okay. we named the cat after the Dungeons and Dragons villain. So Strahd, <laughs> he was a feral cat. He came in from the outside from a feral cat colony, but we ended up uh, bringing him in to give him away to somebody. And then they kind of treated him poorly- and so we kind of reclaimed him and then Mallory fell in love with him. And so he became our cat. Well, the first year with a feral cat in your house is very interesting because he doesn't get many of the things that indoor cats get. So he climbs things, he knocks everything over, like even more destructive than most normal he cats. for attention. Yeah. Right. So like he was a crazy cat. And so I sat there one year, my family has a tradition of reading Christmas poems and, and Christmas books to each other uh, right around the holidays, specifically on Christmas Eve. So I decided that we've been reading the same Christmas books for the last, however old I am, 30 years. Right. And I was like, I should write one. I'm a writer. I, that's what I do. I, I, I want to write something. So I wrote up a Christmas poem called The Christmas monster in which this cat comes into this new house and it's basically all from his viewpoint as he tries to figure out what Christmas is all about and so he does all these things and the other cats tell him oh well you got to bring the family presents and so he basically goes through the house and he tries to find a present and he sees the star at the top of the Christmas tree and so that that's what the whole poem is about is him doing this and the people obviously they the illustrator ended up making them look like me and Mallory that wasn't my intention when I wrote the poem <laughs> but they just kind of went with that and it was like well I guess it has to be they have to look like somebody why not us but it was a very very interesting thing and then I got picked up by um, a publisher and that got out to the world and so it's doing very well so in England and, is incredibly famous because yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber loved him and he had a book made after him. Wow, wow. that's great. So another of the many projects y'all have worked on, one is called Project Child. What's the story behind that? We just signed all the agreements and everything to go into pre-production on a movie I co-wrote, co-directed, and it's a Fantasy Forge Films production. Project Child is based off of a book my good friend Robin Dieter wrote. It's a very sci-fi world, a very dark fantasy world where there's a lot of angels and demons and, and it's humanity fighting for survival type of world. And uh, basically about five, six years ago, or maybe seven now, I ended up meeting him and we made a web series called Project Child Origin. It was a web series that kind of dealt with the world of Project Child and showed you kind of the, the methodology that we wanted to use to make it. 
it did very well in film festivals. And, and, and frankly, it's just something that I, I fell in love with. And we were lucky enough to now find funding for Project Child, the movie. Oh, cool. So cool. we're going into pre-production of the movie. Mallory is also going to be producing that uh, with us. Wow. Wow. So Mallory, other than in your husband's movies, are you pursuing acting at all anymore? Or are you just getting busy producing now? Acting is always my first love. I love it. I act whenever I can. My my life's kind of been taken up with the travel and the exploration and making more episodes of my own show. And I've also been volunteering on scientific expeditions as well in the hopes of soon joining the Explorers Club. It's like I just volunteered on an expedition on Robben Island in South Africa where we were working with South African penguins and we were tagging the penguins and monitoring their feeding habits and weighing the babies to make sure that they were, you know, the correct weight and size. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun to be able to do that and, and put it on the written word and share it with the world. Uh-huh. Because not, not a lot of people know about all the weird things that exist within our world. And that's our, the website is the vehicle in which people can actually learn kind of like Atlas Obscura, where it's like a mm-hmm. bunch of just very interesting places that right. you never even think to look for. But okay. one question I always like to ask everybody, last question, what are you watching when you do have a break from working on a movie or writing a book? What do y'all sit down and watch? What kind of TV shows or movies or what's your favorites? Well, right now we're almost done with our watch through of The Middle. I don't know if you ever watched The Middle. It was like a 30-minute comedy. It was on, I think, from some around 2010 to 2018. Who's in it? Patricia Heaton and Neil Flynn. It's the, he was the janitor from Scrubs. He plays the father in this. And then Patricia. Oh, 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 yes. I remember seeing that. It was a network show. Quirky kids. It's really funny. I loved it when it aired and it's been enough time now where I've gone back to rewatch it. Right, right. I watch a lot of Japanese anime. And then on the funny side, uh, like I've been rewatching Futurama waiting for its re-return because I'm really excited about uh, the fact that it basically just got resurrected and they're making new episodes. Oh, you are a nerd, aren't you? I am a huge (laughs) nerd. uh, Unapologetic. Apologetically huge nerd. And I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. So I have to do my rewatch of Buffy and Angel at least every two or three years. Wow. It's so funny. Everything you've talked about. Usually when I ask this question, I, I can talk about the stuff because I've seen most of it because it's current, but y'all talking about stuff. I've never seen any of this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, this has been terrific. I want to thank you both for taking your time out in LA to talk about all these things. And uh, I'll have links to all of these things, the amazing amount of projects you've got going on the webpage. So thank you both again for taking your time. And it was great to see you. Thank Absolutely. You it's great us. to see you. And thank you for having us on. I've been chatting with Damien King and Mallory Mackey. He produced and she acted in The Baby Pact, a sequel to the movie The Wedding Pact. They've also been active in L.A. producing movies, TV shows, and even a book. Links to their projects are available on the webpage for this podcast at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. DC League of Super Pets. Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart are back as pets to Superman and Batman. It also stars Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, and Keanu Reeves. Vengeance. B.J. Novak directed and stars as a New York City radio host who travels down south to investigate his girlfriend's murder. Resurrection. Rebecca Hall plays a successful woman who's haunted by her past, which includes Tim Roth. TV and streaming. On the 28th on Peacock, The Resort. A couple on an anniversary trip discover themselves in the middle of a bizarre murder from 15 years prior. House Party on HBO. This is a remake of the 1990 comedy with Jacob Lattimore and Tosin Cole. 
Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin on HBO. From the producer of Riverdale comes a new franchise based on the book. Also on HBO Max, Harley Quinn, an animated version of the popular DC Comics character. On Netflix, Breathe. When a small plane crashes in the wilderness of Canada, a lone woman struggles to survive. On the 29th on Hulu, Not Okay, Zoe Deutsch poses as the survivor of an attack and must deal with the online notoriety that develops. On Amazon, Paper Girls, based on the comic series that follows four teenage girls in 1988 in a war between time-traveling factions. Honor Society on Paramount Plus, a student sets out to eliminate her competition for Harvard, but things turn romantic. Surface on Apple, a woman struggles to rebuild her life after a suicide attempt. Uncoupled on Netflix, Neil Patrick Harris finds himself suddenly single in his 40s after his husband splits after 17 years. City on a Hill starring Kevin Bacon returns to Showtime for a new season. That's it for this week. Next week we meet two local filmmakers who made a documentary on an embalmer. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.